I, I just, it's so fun to watch people exactly where God intended them to be. And boy, my heart is burdened for that senior pastor who feels the need to do it all because they worry that the congregation would think, what are we paying you for? So I just told you, I'm not going to do like the whole, my guest today thing, <laughs> but I was thinking like, if I were to introduce Heather traditionally, I would say Heather Fleece is a lifelong veteran youth worker and the world's hardest hugger. Oh. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> and those are two true statements. <laughs> no, you're so you're, you're so much more than that. People get to hear that, but it's like your signature. You know, you're hugging. Yes. And and the um, if people aren't watching this, Heather's wearing a halo. <laughs> Right, it's a halo. Yeah, it is a headband that has a halo. Well, yeah, but you live in headbands. I do, and people. So people think, oh, how cute! She put it on for the podcast. I'm like, nope. This is this no, is no. literally daily wear. It's just a matter of which 150 of my headbands do I want to choose for the day. So they go with mood or color mm -hmm. coordination or today it was outfit. I had a lunch uh, for a local ministry, a women's lunch, and the room uh -huh. had 500 people. I was wearing a really cute, like, cream dress that it matched well with. But I also thought if somebody needs to locate me in that room of 500 people, I want them to see the halo above the heads of everyone else. And it indeed did yeah. work. And if they said she's the one in the halo and there's more than one, that would be really, <laughs> that'd be really alarming. <laughs> Wouldn't it? It would be exceptional. Like, so I could, I could, I could come to a luncheon with you, and if I had a headband on, we could really confuse people. Like, we who could. is who? We could. You know, but you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed, Tim, at how even the halo, especially, will start conversations. You know, of course. Like my our server. No, I wouldn't I had, be amazed. I wouldn't be amazed. <laughs> a server came up at breakfast. I was meeting with with someone, and and like bowed, and I said. You're welcome. I'm like, I, you didn't know you were going to be serving an angel today, did you? And then I, I had another conversation with a guy one time when I was wearing it. And he, we ended up talking about faith and whether or not we think we have guardian angels or if angels are not assigned to individual people. Okay. No, just a minute. So it, my mind just went to you. You wear this in public too? Like if you were in a restaurant? Oh, yeah. I did this morning. Halo? I did this morning. What, I wear it at Costco. Well, you said a server Tim. came up. Yeah. <laughs> so I wear them I, I wear them on a daily basis. It's not like a shtick. It's like part of my outfit because it's functional too because it really does hold my hair back in a way that it's a headband. Like a girl yeah. would wear a headband. But no, I'll wear – I've got these pom-pom, um, orange pom-poms, and they literally are on springs, so they go back and forth. But they're so light, I forget I have them on. So I'll be at Costco and I'll be like, wow, people are so friendly. Hi. Like people are just smiling at me and I totally forget that I have it on. <laughs> it's it's like people calling you by name and you forgot you were wearing a name yes, tag. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, how did you know my name? Yeah. Oh, your name tag. Uh, well, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's on your shirt. Yeah, uh, so I'm wearing my the halo camera, today for you. Yeah, the camera came on and um, boom, there mm -hmm. you were in all your glory. <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, it's Friday. It's the end of a, I'm sure, 
I've been needing extra days and extra hours mm -hmm. lately. I thought I had that under control a couple months ago, but the last couple months have been a little breakneck. And mm -hmm. I just went up, I just left the office a couple hours ago and went up and saw my mom. She doesn't mm -hmm. live far from me. Mm -hmm. And um, she's 83, going to be 84. She's struggling with uh, her memory, dementia, you know, all kinds of things. And um, she was asking how I was. And I said, well, my heart rate has been like 130 beats a minute, mm -hmm. which is super unusual for me. Mm -hmm. And my blood pressure has been like a hypertension two level mm -hmm. or what that mm -hmm. is. I've never had um, high wow. blood pressure, high heart rate. I'm pretty physically active and fairly good shape for a 53-year-old yeah. man. And... um so as I'm looking at this day going, oh my gosh, I've got so much to do. And oh, I've got Heather at four and I've already like stood you up twice. So <laughs> thanks for, I'm, I'm really excited because yeah. first of all, this is going to be like the longest conversation we've ever had. It will be. Isn't that amazing? The, the, the longest time we have shared space outside of a family funeral, which can we really call that shared space? <laughs> no, no, we really can't. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> yeah. And we get to talk yeah. about the thing that matters to us the most outside of Jesus. And that's doing his work. And the question is how we do mm -hmm. the work. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we, you and I have talked about this two or three times that it's crazy that in our like three decades of ministry running in the same circles, mm -hmm. you know, the most we've encountered each other is in a hallway or an elevator or mm -hmm. something like that for mm -hmm. 30 a seconds. Van. And, hey, I think there was you? a van you know? one time. Mm -hmm. There probably was. Yeah. There's always a, a shuttle van. van, a shuttle van. Somebody a picks you van. up to take you to a conference <laughs> exactly at you know, right. three in the morning or, or take you back <laughs> mm -hmm. to the conference. And so I'm really excited and I'm not overselling that just because um, I'm going to learn something today and I'm mm -hmm. not being patronizing. I'm going to learn something. I know that God's going to teach us both something I hope, but I'm going to glean uh I know I'm going to glean the most because I've got a couple questions because there's things about you that entice and attract me to your, mm. your personality, your mm -hmm. style of ministry, just your authentic self. We might as well mm. use the word and, and get it right out there. The last time that we were actually, other than the funeral, mm -hmm. the day before the funeral, the day after the funeral, or the week before the funeral, was your birthday party. It's true. And you were wearing a headband uh, with antenna or something, uh -huh. you know, it antenna. Said, it's party time. Mm -hmm. And so our friend Ken said, well, you, you can go interrupt her. But what I know about you from a conversation we had recently, which I love, is that you don't let people interrupt you when you are in a conversation with others. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote that down in my notes today, this very first word I've got was you practice presence. Hmm. We all know how important that is. I suck at it to be a hundred percent honest hmm. with you. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm probably from my body language. People are able to tell that he is um, not fully with me. Hmm. Right. But not only your hugs, but your, your undivided attention that you give to the person in front of you at the moment mm -hmm. 
Has that always been, has that always been your signature trait? I can point back to Bethel College and the skyways in between the buildings. Mm -hmm. And I came alive in college, Tim. So I was, I grew up in Owatonna, Minnesota, a smaller town mm -hmm. in Southern Minnesota. And I felt like I had to fight upstream all the time in public schools. So I, I love Jesus. I wanted to be obedient. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rule follower as much as it doesn't seem to match my personality. I, um, and I, so I was doing everything that I was supposed to do, right. Being respectful to my teachers and not drinking and not smoking and not having sex. I like to say, I didn't have a lot of opportunity to have sex, but I still wasn't having sex. And I, I finally came to a place at Bethel where other people were swimming in the same direction that I was swimming in a Christian university and, and to be around that and to be learning and to be having my faith poured into, to be able to be friends with guys and not have it be weird. It all just awoke truly. I, I think who I am today, so much of that was fashioned and came alive at Bethel. But I remember my extroverted self, just loving being in those hallways in the passing. And, and I would be talking with a friend and I can picture it in one of those skyways. And that friend, it was like every person who passed, he'd be like, hey, Jace, hey, Kelly. And, and then he'd come back to me and then he would just do it again and do it again. And I just remember feeling, and this was long before these came into being, just feeling like, hey, wait, 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 <laughs> what about me? And, and I really started to say, I, I don't like how that felt. And I don't want people to feel like that when they're with me. And so I remember even in, in those hallways, just starting to put my blinders on. That's what I call it. I literally ignore mm -hmm. everybody else except for the person that's in front of me. And I want to make people feel like they're the only person in the world to me at that moment, because I know when that happens to me, the value that I feel and the love that I feel from that person. And so I'd say it started that I probably 19, 20 years old. And then, you know, as I entered into youth ministry, I was like, wow, this matters even more to these yeah. kids. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, a, a even more of a, a, a tenacious part of me now, because especially when I'm at church, I'll be talking to a kid and adults will come up and try to get my attention. And they'll like, you know, go like this. And I literally will not acknowledge anything. They'll tap me on the shoulder. I won't acknowledge. Some of them do that back rub, which annoys me even more. And I won't acknowledge. And then they'll often just walk away. You know, with kids, it's a little easier. They run up, they have no social space. They get in my face and I go, ah, Kyle, I'm in another conversation right now. And then they'll back away. But my kids learn and my kids know. But it is really, really important to me. So it's a teachable moment. It's a teachable moment that some of us have just not, not learned. My wife, Cindy says it all the time because she's, she's pretty good at being, she's so much better than I am at being fully engaged and fully mm -hmm. present mm -hmm. in a conversation. But then she gets really annoyed. I don't know if you get annoyed, but she'll get annoyed and she'll come home. And so we'll be in a public place or church setting or event. And she'll go, that person has no understanding. Like, mm. do you have no understanding that you stand, you pile, you know, politely wait Yes, your yeah. turn or because yeah. what am I supposed to do? Turn my attention away from this person. That's just rude. Yeah. Well, and for kids that they, they have a limited time with me, Tim, 
You, yeah. you can you can call me on a Thursday at two. You can swing by my office on Monday afternoon. They can't in, in their minds. That's when I get Heather. And so I want to give them Heather in those moments. Well, it's really hard to tell them from a platform, a stage, a microphone that you're important. You mean something. I love you. Jesus yes. loves you. Yes. And then they get the same response or behavior. Sometimes they get at home, sometimes they get at school, but mm -hmm. in public in general, where I can easily dismissed. And again, somebody else is vying for my attention. And so I really needed just that moment, even if it wasn't a long time, like mm -hmm. when you say your students just, they have limited time. Yep. And again, it might not be a long time. I mean, you, you minister to a, a lot of students. Yeah. And I know you've got an amazing team, which I'm yep. certain that your practice of presence, I have to think that it's one of your um, qualifications. Yes, it is. And uh, it's one thing I train real hard on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and even if you train on it, though, you know, it's contagious. Yeah. It has to be contagious. So, again, if they don't see you practice, I wrote a blog this week, and I heard a phrase last week when I was in uh, meetings in D.C. I've never heard it before anyway. And that was, you shouldn't practice what you preach. You should preach what you practice. And I thought, hmm. oh, that makes so much more sense. Because if I just practice what I preach, hmm. so in other words, I'm telling you something that I want you to do. You should be present and notice people and give them your undivided attention. Hmm. And I can say that to my team, my staff, congregation, hmm. an event, whatever it might be. But then in the, the line the book table or the event registration or the church, you know, entryway, mm -hmm. if they don't see you, they can smell that. Adults yeah. can smell that. I mean, kids can really smell that. Sure. But I think adults can really smell it um, because maybe it opens up a wound that -hmm. they've carried since they were that 13-year-old eighth mm -hmm. grader. Mm -hmm. And um young lady who just needed somebody to pay attention. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm 43 and you're still not doing it. Yeah. So. Oh, I like that. You have to preach what you practice. And then isn't my platform of preaching so much more powerful because let's in my, in, in this instance, my volunteer staff, they're thinking, um, she's not asking me to do anything she's not doing. You know, she, right. she, she's, she's preaching what she's doing. I like that. Isn't that good? Yeah, that's really good. I mean, I, I wrote that down. I'm going to use it four or five times in a podcast, and then I'm going to trademark it and steal it. You know? <laughs> well, that's what we do in youth ministry. <laughs> that's what we do. That's what we do in ministry. ministry Preach with your practice. Yeah. At, Tim, at Timothy Eldridge, you know? And so I'm going to make my own little quote meme kind of thing, you know, put a little banner, put oh, my yeah. name under it. You have enough people For like share a week it? or so. It'll well, be yeah, yours for a week forever. or so, I'll put anonymous under it. <laughs> And then you'll and then take I'll the forget credit. where I heard it. And then pretty soon I'll just get rid of anonymous. <laughs> yeah. And it's mine. <laughs> and then if I can put a trademark on it, uh, I can sell it later. There you go. No. <laughs> I'm going to use it a lot. And I, and I, I mean, I, it's, it's not original with me, but it's so good. And I thought about that last week as I was writing um, this week, as I was writing a, a couple resources for pastors that's kind of, it might become a tagline or a mantra of this project. 
you know, preach mm. what you practice. Yeah. Then I have to think like, I wouldn't have a lot of sermons to share because <laughs> I make yeah. up a lot of stuff that sounds really beautiful and spiritual yeah. and flowery, but I'm thinking, mm -hmm. I wouldn't really knew the real me. I know. Yeah. So, How many times has a preparation of a sermon or a teaching or a seminar just kicked you in the butt? Yeah. Because you, you were like, I, I. I am preaching this to myself more than anyone else. I was invited. I took a couple of years off from travel, as you know, and um, I was out of practice. Hmm. I mean, I, I'm speaking in the church that I pastor. and um, But as far as standing in front of a crowd and living in an airplane, um, I literally took two years off from doing that. And a friend said, hey, I want you to go speak at a, a soul care conference hmm. in Italy. So immediately I'm in, you know, <laughs> the Lord says, I'm yes. in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to pray about that. <laughs> Jesus turned water into wine and I'm coming to sample it in Rome and uh, good pasta, good pizza, good wine, good people. <laughs> and I literally got up and I was scared. Hmm. I, it's like you, I've spoken to crowds all over the place, yeah. but I was scared and I was worried. And I thought, what am I going to say about soul care? Because mm. my soul was a mess at the time. Mm. And so instead of giving them three points of intro and ending and something practical they can get away with, I just stood up and said, I have really nothing to give you tonight. So let me tell you what I'm working on. Mm. I'm hoping it's going to be effective in my life. Yeah. But I couldn't stand up there and say, these three things will work and this is what you should do. And from my yeah. experience, this mm -hmm. is the remedy. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a remedy. And so I guess in some ways I was already implementing the, you know, preach what you practice mm -hmm. idea right then. But how far would that go <laughs> in pastors, ministry, people's lives, if we could, I think it'd be really refreshing if we could just stand up and say, I have no clue. I, I don't know that I understand this. I'm studying it myself, but we're so afraid that we don't present well. Yeah. So instead of presenting well, um, if we present poorly, we just pontificate and I think try to fill in the gaps and make ourselves sound more mature or spiritual or gifted as better leaders than, than we really are. Have you ever struggled with that? Hmm. I, I, I guess I, I struggle with being seen as the expert mm -hmm. when it comes to things, all faith. Interestingly, Tim, I don't mind being considered the expert on junior high ministry, not because I think I am, but because I get that comparatively, you know, me spending 27 years in junior high ministry at the same church and four years with collective sixth through 12th grade ministry. In addition to that, that I know more than most people do. So for whatever hold on, reason, hold on just a minute. Okay. You've been at Wooddale for 27 years. <laughs> yeah. I started in December of 1996. So See, I, I planted the church I'm in, um, in 1996. So I've you been did. at the same congregation for 27 years. Yeah. Wow. So two things are true about you and I. 
we're both anomalies. Yes. And we're approaching dinosaur extinction. <laughs> I I know. My knees my knees tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My whole so, body tells me that. I mean, talk about anomaly. I, I mean, to to be in student ministry for that long is crazy. Right. To be in yeah. junior high ministry that long is crazy. To be in junior high ministry at the same church because you could find yeah. people who are at the same church, but they've switched three different positions, you know, or they're planting in regards to that church or something. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, along with Katie Edwards, who now from, oh, from yeah. I, I've not mm -hmm. had a conversation with her in the last couple of months, but I understand she actually has moved to one of the teaching pastors at the Lake Forest campus at uh, hmm. Saddleback. So I think she is officially. She used to say she she led from the junior high chair, but I think officially she has moved on. But outside of her, I don't know anyone else who's at the same church for that long in junior high ministry. Um, yeah. So I don't mind being considered the expert in that because I see how people would think that. I have a hard time in in being seen as the person who's supposed to know everything when it comes to scripture, dinosaurs in the Bible you know, um, end times because I am not anywhere close to it. And, and I think you and I, and anyone who's done seminary knows the more you learn, the more, you know, you don't know. And it's humbling. Um, oh, I can explain my faith with fewer words today than I've ever could. Mm -hmm. And I don't even have a need to explain it. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a real dichotomy is for, I feel like, with the experience, education, blah, 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 mm -hmm. you should be able to articulate things a lot more clearly. Mm -hmm. I can't. <laughs> I, I think now I have more questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at the same time, the questions that I think I have, I really don't care about. Right. And even the, like, sta the, I, yeah. the stance I take, I take much more loosely now. And you'd think it'd be the opposite. You would think I'd be more grounded and like, this is the way that it is. I, I believe from everything I've studied, this is what I believe, but I also understand that I could be wrong, that it could be. Yeah. I'm a, I've got a friend who says it like, I'm a hundred percent convinced that I'm right and a hundred percent convinced that I could be wrong. Yeah. You know, I'm mm -hmm. going to teach it with, with certainty. Um, but before I end, I'm going to let you know, on no uncertain terms that I could have just <laughs> fed you a whole line of garbage <laughs> to puff myself up. Yeah. See, I, I think I have a different need and I wish I could like, it's like my thorn in the flesh. I wish I could get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I know I'm not the expert, but then I know, you know, I'm not the expert and I really kind of want to be the expert. Uh, okay. And that's just, that's just maybe compensating for what I know are my inadequacies and incompetencies. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I still feel like that, 13 year old eighth grade boy who's just mm -hmm. vying for your attention to say, mm -hmm. could you just notice me? Mm -hmm. I really wish I could get rid of that, but I, I I'm certain that I am not the only person, um, only pastor. I know I'm not, yeah. um, who feels that way, but I do know that I might be one of a few who's willing to get on a podcast and to admit it. <laughs> That's right. Because you know, what's it, what, what's it matter? I can continue to pretend and put on a mask and fake my way through yeah. it. 
because um, you only know me from a distance. You know me from a stage. You know me from a rare encounter at an yep. event or a book or something like that. But you don't know me, and so I don't. I don't need to let you. I don't need to let you in. I'm happy for you to think what you want. Mm-hmm. And you know, you said something um, in one of our recent conversations that, matter of fact, it was face to face at your birthday party. <laughs> I was telling you about my um, my sister in law, whose girls are attending your youth group, mm-hmm. and who will be listening to this podcast? Cause I told oh. her I'm going to have Heather on the podcast. She goes, so let me know what it is. Oh, I said, well, you could listen to some other ones too. Heather's <laughs> not the only good guest. Right. And I was telling her that, you know, we had a relationship. We didn't know each other. Well there, but I said, listen, you, she's an amazing youth worker. She goes, how do you know that? Hmm. I said, her reputation precedes her. She has a reputation. I said, well, it's not like that kind of reputation. You know, she's, you know, like she said, she didn't sleep with a lot of people before, not a lot of opportunity. So it's not that kind of reputation. That's right. (laughs) I said, Heather's one of the most recognized junior high youth pastors in the country, in the world. I was sharing that with you and you said, but that's not my identity. I really just love to be a good local church Mm -hmm. pastor. Mm -hmm. So you haven't fallen into a trap that I fall into. I think a lot of people fall into of trying to become something, be something. And is that because you've, um, where does your self-assuredness, is it self-assuredness before I just assumed that? I'm going to assume it's some level of self-confidence, self-worth, self-esteem, self-assuredness, any other self-hyphen thing I can think of to sound <laughs> smart. Um, where does that come from? I don't have that. I, I don't have that. I'd like to say that I got my confidence in Christ. I don't sure. always have my confidence in Christ. Sure. Sure. Did that come out of... Bethel too? Has that been just <laughs> cultivated? Did somebody pour into you? I mean, could you point to a person? Oh, there were a lot that poured into me, but I, I think what what you're referring to, and I, I think I might've even said it when we were talking, is that I'm I'm glad your sister-in-law doesn't know that I have influence yeah, outside of Woodale Church because that's what I want. That's what I hope for. Um, and I think some of it comes... In the, in the fact that I'm a developer, right? So in the strengths finders, my top five are communication, woo, positivity, developer, and activator. I love to have my own group. I love to pour in and see them little by little, little by little develop and develop. I have zero interest in being a full-time speaker or author. Uh, the idea of going and inspiring and have them fall in love with me. And then the only way I talk to them is through DM. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, that's, that's not, anywhere attractive for me. My heart is with the local church. And so I've told the Lord, I will, because of my high capacity for people and activity, I will do all of it as long as I can. But the minute I can't do it anymore, the other things go to the side and I will only do the local church. So I don't, I I think it's just in my makeup. I think it's in my makeup. And I, I, I too, of course we all do, Tim, struggle with uh, moments when I 
take a good chunk of my value from the fact that my kids and my families love me and like me and think mm-hmm. I'm pretty great. Um, but I, I want to ask you this question. Do you think it's different for men? I know that it's a pride is a human condition. Okay. But let me just throw out a couple observations that I've had in the last three decades. Uh, I am, I am an anomaly in that I've stayed where I am for as long as I have, but I have had male counterparts, both within our ministry at Wooddale and other places who've said, I'm in it. I'm in student ministries for the long haul. None of them are still in student ministries. They have all moved to campus pastor, church planning, something else. And and I've I've wondered, is it a guy thing? Is there is there a layer of pride that men have in, in, in the Christian conservative culture, which is where I run? You know, is there this idea that a man has to continue to advance or he doesn't have skill or value? And then the other piece that was always curious to me, um, I had the opportunity to be a part of youth specialties and the core training team for mm-hmm. about eight years. And I loved it. It was it was my first national platform. Students are my favorite. So it was a big deal for me to go talk to adults because frankly, I just don't like them as much as I do teenagers. <laughs> but I thought I, I convinced myself, Heather, the ripple effect, if every one of those people in that room touches the lives of even 10 kids each, just think of how many kids' lives will be touched because of what you're sharing to encourage them and empower them and equip them. So I did it. And it was really fun. And Tim, I will tell you, in every city, someone came up to me and said, hey, I just want to ask you, how'd you get to do this? Like, oh my I've, gosh. Always, I've always wanted to do this. How did you do it? And it was always a man. Always. And my answer to which I say to this day is, honestly, I was doing what the Lord called me to do and somebody noticed. Like, I never sent in a tape or a VHS or a, a script. I never did anything. I was I was emceeing a mega rally at Bethel University and Helen Music, who was on the core training team at the time, came as one of our speakers. And I brought her up on stage and we chugged root beer for a belching competition. And I think that that day I was doing a bring me kind of things. And I told the kids, bring me your biggest zit and let me pop it. <laughs> in front of everybody for a prize. And, and she left that day and she went back to tick long at you specialties. And she said, you've got to see this girl in Minnesota. But I was just always curious. It was always a man. I want to do this. How did you get to do this? How did you get this platform? Will you as an authentic pastor, will you talk about that? I will, um, I'll take a stab at it. First yeah. of all, I haven't heard Helen, Helen's name in a long time. Oh, you know, Helen. Okay. So yeah, that's a nice, nice memory. Yeah. Um, my blink to your first question is yes. Now, but I can only speak to it as a male. I would have to speak to it from my own perspective of woundedness. I wrote about this a mm. lot in, um, my last book's called Alone Sucks, hmm. and uh, which is really a loose translation of the Hebrew text in Genesis 2. 
218. I'm very familiar. But I can, it's not good but, for man to be alone. <laughs> I can really hear God just saying, Adam, this sucks. Yeah. Or you Adam know. saying, God, this sucks. Yeah, I know, this Adam. Sucks. It does. It does, Adam. <laughs> Either way, I've added that phrase to the book of Third Timothy, which is my favorite book to preach out of. <laughs> I'm, I, uh, I was the youngest of four. I was the leftover of four. My dad was a pastor and church planter. Hmm. I lived in like 18 homes by the time I was 18. Hmm. Um, and some of those were just like a weekend someplace en route to someplace else. But it was constantly moving. But the more I talk to people, whether their story is the same as mine or not, and men in particularly, I mean, I'd be a hundred percent honest. I don't have a lot of these conversations with, with women. Sure. Um, I guard myself in that situation and I want to listen, but I don't know that I can always obviously relate. Right. Sure. I think it is an issue of pride, but I think more than that, it is an issue of I wouldn't even say discovery. I'm going to say um, seeking, seeking like, validation. Like am I really conquering? Good? Like, a, mm, for, do I need? I can't say it's to... conquering for me. Okay. Um, and I may be delusional to not use the word conquering for myself. For me, it's validation. I'm constantly seeking validation, validation, validation. And if I can do one more thing, I can accomplish one more thing, mm -hmm. then maybe I can be noticed for that one more thing. And so if I can raise my or elevate my position in your eyes, then maybe I can artificially escalate it in my own heart. Mm -hmm. And I get the same question. I've had the question so many times. That's why I chuckled when you said it. How do I get to do what you do? And I've told, yeah. I've told and they've all been male. I've never had a female go, hey, how do I get to be the keynote speaker at an event? Yeah. I've never, I would say this honestly, I I've never asked to be a speaker, a presenter. Matter of fact, since you mentioned Tick Long, I remember the day that Tick called me and he said, hey, you're going to be on the main stage at the National Youth Workers Convention with Tony Campolo. You're going to share a mic. What? <laughs> First of all, I don't want to share a mic with Tony because he spits everywhere. <laughs> he does. You're right. <laughs> you know, it's just like a soaked mic. <laughs> and um, and I don't say this with any um, false humility. I told him no. And this was a moment of my life where I felt like I was actually in a really good place. I said, Tick, I want to be on that stage so bad because I think I've got something to say but I'm going to say no until I don't want to be on that stage. Hmm. And he said, well, hmm. the opportunity might not come up again. Mm -hmm. um, I said, I just don't feel comfortable with where I am right now, that it would just be me speaking out of desperate need of approval hmm. as it would be that I really feel like I've got something value and valuable to say. And, you know, by God's grace, that opportunity came around again a couple of times. And, um, but people ask, like, how can I do what you do? And I said, tell them the same thing. Just do what you do now. Yeah. Don't try to be noticed. Mm -mm. Just do what you do. Be present. Give yeah. 100% to the, the assignment that you're in. Yes. And be content with it. Mm -hmm. If you're not content, and this is where the authentic piece comes in for me. If you're not content 
with where you are, what you're doing, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, that you're constantly vying for validation, then we need to do some real inner work mm -hmm. and figure out what's the whole. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist or a counselor, but the whole idea of what's your wound? What are you carrying mm -hmm. on with mm -hmm. you? What have you never examined and explored and eradicated or get, or at least given to the Lord? Mm -hmm. In which sometimes I use that phrase, you use that phrase, and I don't always know that I can explain what that means. Like the last week I've done trying to give him stuff and I yeah. keep dragging it back. Yes, you know? right. <laughs> um, pride, is it pride? I think it's, it comes from a place of emptiness. Hmm. I think there's something missing. So I'm going to squeeze something else in there. Now, some people could obviously step into youth work and then move on to something sure, different. And they sure. just, you know, assignments change, right? Our kingdom assignments yeah. change. I don't think that's the norm. I think it's a lack of satisfaction. Okay. Um, I still think it's something internal that maybe we've carried with us for a very long time and we've buried. And if I can just continue to move on, you can't get close enough for me to have to deal with it or to recognize it in me. Or I can just, it's like, I've got a sign on my wall. I'm looking at it and it says, I hate 10%. Excuse me. I hate 90%. Below it says finish 10%. Quite often in my life, I want to, um, I, I have a need to achieve. Okay. I don't have a need to achieve because I'm an achiever. I need to achieve because um, there's something I still carry at 53 years old in my life that I'm still trying to prove. So I don't know if it's pride or proving or I'm not sure I have the answer to it, but I know what it is for me. And I feel like there's a, that gap for a lot of people and maybe men in particularly. Um, my, like I said, my blink is to men. Yes. Yeah, I think it's true. Okay. And certainly pride is quite uh, a big net, right? Quite a Sure. Quite yeah, there's umbrella. a lot of things that fit in pride, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. But, but I, I, have, I have found that most women don't feel the draw to seek, to conquer, to prove, or to achieve. Um, and I, I definitely have a a contentment. I feel like I am in my sweet spot. I am, I never feel God's delight, Tim, more than when I'm standing in the middle of a room full of students or on a bus full of junior hires. I mean, I feel his delight and I don't, I, I don't need to try to find anything else outside of that in regards to ministry. You know, Cindy would say the same thing. She's a middle school teacher. She's taught seventh grade for 35 years hmm. in public school. Wow. Which I always say tongue in cheek. I'm really thankful that she's a public school teacher because your your tax dollars are going to pay for her mental health care soon. <laughs> yeah. She's got a benefit that you don't have now that she's a public school teacher. Yeah. Someone's, tax, someone's tax dollars going to take care of her in her old age. And... Uh, <laughs> or my mental health care. But I had the same question for her. Uh, most of our marriage is, are you ever going to like, and I would use the word up. Are you going to like yeah. move up? She's like yeah. up. No, I love middle level. Yeah. I love these kids. Yeah. 
they're different. They're squirrely. Yeah. They don't know who they are. They're always yeah. trying on like swear words. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she said, and I never even punish them. I don't, you know, <laughs> it's like a whole string of vul vulgarity came out of their mouth. And she's like, it wasn't even good. You know, <laughs> can't even cuss well. Uh-huh. <laughs> but she's, she's never felt the need to move up on whatever. And, you know, that's what we're finding with this, this authentic pastor project is, a lot of pastors, male, female, are moving. They're transitioning someplace. Mm -hmm. The thing I'm hoping, though, is they're transitioning out of a place of health and wholeness. Yeah. Not out of emptiness and insecurity. Yes. And, and so for me, I think I transition a lot. And I, I, I'm i not trying to have a false, like I said before, not a false sense of humility. I'm, I'm, I'm a whole lot more stable than I'm giving myself credit for. But you can't talk about authenticity unless, like, the podcast host talks about inauthenticity, <laughs> his inauthenticity. Yeah. Um, I've been able to let that go more as I've, I've, I mean, I've prayed for contentment, but then I'm really seeking, like, right now, in my 32nd year, I love ministry more than I ever have. Yeah. Yes. And it's not because it's necessarily easier. Yep. I quit doing all the stuff that doesn't bring me joy mm -hmm. and contentment mm -hmm. that I was doing. Yes. Instead of equipping saints for the work as service or preparing yeah. saints for service, I was so busy preparing services for saints, yeah. you know, and I got the accolades and the recognition mm -hmm. for that. Of Tim can do everything. You know, he's been doing it a long time. Yeah. And um, I mean, I know the gifts God's given me, but, now I've got a different team. I've built a different team around me and I've let some things go. And the, it's so much better I know. than having to think, I got to be on a plane. I got to do this. I've got to yep. teach this. I've got to know this. I got to understand dinosaurs in the Bible yes, and end times. Yes, yes. I don't. No, because there's somebody who loves that and has already done the oh. research on it. And, and it would be their delight to teach it. And when we quit pretending to be the expert and yeah. step out of the way, that gives somebody else, we're talking yes. about stepping in or out yeah. or up, that gives somebody else a step in, a chance to step into an assignment that yeah. we're the block for. Yes. You know, our anxiety or our lack of confidence isn't just ruining us because it really is eating us alive. It's, it's, yes, it's impeding yes. somebody else's yeah. opportunity. Yeah. To discover, I'm really good at this, yeah. and I never knew it was. So they're trying to find their validation in something they're not good at. Yeah, because I'm standing in the way. Yes, yeah. That's that's. And unfortunately, this will sound indicting. Unfortunately, I think that in so many ways has become an expectation yeah. of pastoral work. Mm -hmm. Especially in smaller churches, yes. right? The yeah. average church. You know, we're not all in. Wooddales of three to 4,000 people, right? right? Most are in churches of 150 to 250. Yeah. Yep. And those are considered and large churches, <laughs> you know, I mean, now, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, they I, really I mean, are a large church. Tim, I, I, I think, I would think if you were a pastor in that setting, you would worry that people would think you were lazy or not mm -hmm. doing your job. And, what are you paying you for? It, what it really is, is first Corinthians 12. I love first mm. Corinthians 12 more than I love first Corinthians 13. And I know that's kind of heretical to say, but 
218 or 1218, God put together every part of the body just as he intended. And how fun is it to watch somebody work in the part of the body they were intended? I mean, you know, people will, will compliment me for what I do. And I just say, listen, it's like I'm breathing. I don't even have to think about it. So thank you, but praise the Lord, because this is how he's gifted me. And to watch my friend Kathy work an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, Tim, it would take me three hours. And she does it in 20 minutes with a smile on her face the whole time and can sort it seven different ways for me and make it look pretty. I, I just, it's so fun to watch people exactly where God intended them to be. And boy, my heart is burdened for that senior pastor who feels the need to do it all because they worry that the congregation would think, what are we paying you for? Well, I think there's there's two parts to it. I agree with you. Like there's, there's an external factor. And part of this is the way that the church has evolved and the culture we live in, the consumer mindset. Sure. That That is your job. You know, this is your job description. Um, and then there's the other internal piece of it that says, I'm not good enough, so I'm yeah. going to have to prove myself to you. Mm -hmm. Both of those are like, you know, those are first cousins, right? <laughs> they, first cousins you should, first cousins should not marry. They should not right? be dating. No, they should not. They should not be. They, should, <laughs> they, shouldn't, they shouldn't even dance together, you know? <laughs> a yeah. friend of mine, um, a few years ago, I had stepped into a position. I needed a, I needed a board chairman. Um, I had stepped into an organization that was, I mean, the amount of debt that it had. Hmm was unbelievable. Why I was stepping into it, I don't know. Mm. I've had I had friends try to counsel me out of it and I told God when I took the job, I said, I need a board chairman. Because I wasn't going to work for the current board chairman. I was going to ask for the resignation. If I take the job, you have to quit because <laughs> I don't want to work for you. I want to work for the organization. I don't want to work for you. Mm. God sent me a board chairman who's a, a Fortune 500 um, CEO that I'd known. And so he called one day and uh, which was unusual. He's a very busy individual. He said, what's your job description? And so I went into some diatribe about, I cast vision <laughs> and I build teams. He's like, no click. He just hung up the phone. <laughs> that wasn't the right answer. I knew that right away. Yeah. He called back a couple of days later and he goes, Hey, I hung up on you the other day. I said, I noticed <laughs> what's your job description. And I gave him some other, answer, same answer, different sentence structure. Yeah. I don't have time for this. He said, I'll call you back Friday. Click. Mm. There's two hangups in one week. Not good. Called me back on Friday. goes, listen, let me tell you what your job is, is a CEO <laughs> or a senior pastor or a pastor or a youth pastor or anybody who works with people. Your job is to release their potential. Period. Hmm. Work yourself out of a job. If you work yourself out of a job, you'll always have a job. Hmm. because then you're no longer irreplaceable. You become indispensable. You're be indispensable because hmm. you're the only person in their life who's seen beneath the surface and released their potential into some great opportunity where they could shine and feel content like you say hmm. you do. Like I'm in my sweet spot. Hmm. And why am I there? Because Heather put yeah. me here because yeah. I can do spreadsheets. Hmm. You know, 
Uh, but boy, how counterintuitive is that, Tim? Well, it's work, it's, work it's yourself the, out of a job by empowering other people to do it. It's it's certainly countercultural of what we call leadership. Yeah. You know, most of the leadership books, and I'm not saying that there's not some, there are some great leadership experts sure. and authors who get it right, but I think it's hard to overcome the cultural mindset that I lead, I'm on a pedestal, I'm in charge, I know the answers, as opposed to just sitting down with your team and saying, I don't have a freaking clue <laughs> what we should do, mm -hmm. but I'm assuming around this table, one of you or all of us together can yeah. do it. That just raises mm -hmm. the respect that people have. And I think if pastors would do the same thing in the pulpit, but we're afraid yeah. So that fear. So if you go back to the question you asked a minute ago, and they're just putting this all together in my sure. little crazy head, is it pride Maybe it's fear, Heather. Hmm. Maybe it's fear that moves people on. Fear of failure. Stepping into the next thing hmm. before you finish something. Hmm. Or I could be full of crap. No. Well, wouldn't you say but I think that... It's, I, th I, th I think it's fear. I think fear fits under the umbrella of pride. If it's in, if it's in that right? whole, that net, right? Yeah. yeah. Cousins. Same family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> same inbred family. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I mean, when, when you're talking that way about like, I, I, so I'm picturing a senior pastor and we, all of us, I believe, love to see our senior pastors be authentic, right? When, when our senior pastor talks about a struggle he has in his home or with his child or with his control issues or whatever, it makes us feel so good. And, and we like that. But I almost wonder, Tim, if there's a limit in my mind as a congregant as to how many times a year I'm comfortable with him doing that. Oh, versus, I don't disagree. Versus yeah. him having a posture of that. Like, I'm, I'm not the expert. I don't know. I'm still learning because I right. think I don't, I don't want to hear that. I, I don't want to hear my pastor's garbage. Yeah. And their failures, but a posture of humility mm -hmm. would go so much farther to enhance or cement that issue of authenticity. Mm -hmm. Do I think most pastors do that? I believe that most do, or at least most want to, want to. Mm -hmm. but maybe don't always know how. These are things we don't, there's not, you know, there's no national seminar on no. authenticity, no. seminary class on authenticity. Mm. Um, and it's not, it's, it's not like a course you take, like here's here, this is your three, 13 weeks. You're going to be authentic. It's a culmination of all those little things, our humility, yeah. our openness, our honesty, our vulnerability, which none of those are necessarily authentic. Those are all, again, it's kind of like cousins, right? Yeah. It's all inbred fits in one big net of authenticity. And I think some of that is as simple as saying, this is where God placed me, like you. I'm going to give it my best. This is the person in front of me. I'm going to give them my best. Mm -hmm. They're never going to wonder Yeah. what I think. Mm -hmm. Because then I don't have to go looking for it someplace else. Yeah. 
So if I have to find my validation outside of my conversation with Heather, then that's going to be something I fill my life with an element that's artificial. Mm-hmm. That's the filter on Facebook. Well, you and know. I, I want, one of my goals is that I want to continue to be a positive connection to the church for my kids. You know, I, my favorite Sundays, Tim, are Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. Now, Christmas isn't always a Sunday, I know, but my favorite services, if you will, because all mm-hmm. the kids come back. Because what does mom want? I just want my kids to be in church with me on, you know, on whatever. So these kids come back. I've been there 27 years. My first seventh graders are 39. So they come back in with their kids, right? Their, their children. Their, it's just nuts. And God has given me a beautiful memory for names and recall. And so I'll, I'll call a kid by name that's 27 years old. And I'll be like, Matthew, do you remember when we were on the snow camp bus? And, do you, and I'll recall something. The Lord gives it to me. And Tim, it's just so fun to watch the face of that kid, but literally the mom next to him that's crying because she doesn't believe her son is walking with the Lord right now. And to see me call him by name and recount something and to see his response to that, I just want even if he's walked away from the church, even if he has doubt, I don't care if if he can recall back to that time on the bus or the time that I made him feel like he was the only one, if he can have that positive piece back, that's a win. <laughs> and it's not, it's not about me. It's helping him to see the bigger piece of the church and the bigger oh, no, idea, yeah. Christian faith. You know, that's one of the, this, the worries that I have with, we see 1,500 pastors a month or whatever the number is leaving the ministry mm. and X amount of churches a month closing their doors mm. and a digital generation getting their information off their palm of their hand. Yeah. But information does not provide, provide the connection you're talking about. No. It's that it's that face to face when you are in that conversation. It's again removing that doubt. I wonder how many times that think about it this way for myself. I was seeking validation, hit ninety percent, move on to the other thing, seeking and seeking and seeking because I wasn't finding it inside. But what if I would have had a Heather Fleece in my life that when I was present? I mean, you're listening, you're responding, you're, you're, you're giving the person the validation they need, not just because of your presence, but your words. I watched you and I told you this, I watched you when, uh, uh, my niece, hmm. uh, was reading at her grandmother's funeral a couple months ago. Hmm. We're in this great big Catholic church and you're sitting on the edge of your chair. <laughs> she can't even, she can't even see you. She can't see you, but you're on the edge of your chair beaming with pride and joy and anybody watching you knew that i mean that energy call it energy Mm -hmm. could be felt in the room Mm -hmm. if any pastors listening are hearing any part of this there's there's so many good things here not from me from heather i think that's what this generation i'm not talking about youth i'm just talking about our culture 
is being robbed of. And that's relationship. Yeah. Because you're going to change anybody. Sorry. I mean, you can put the most flowery sermon yep. together. You can have an amazing presentation and stage show and band. Yep. Yep. And at the end of the day, they're going to remember the person who remembered their name. Yeah. And 27 years later, that, that student you're talking to or 39 or whatever years, you know, 39 year old, that was your first seventh grader. They don't remember your summer camp theme. No, no, they don't. You know, they don't remember any of that stuff. No. They remember that every time I talked to Heather, she was like right there, right uh -huh. in my, just right there. Yep. Or she came to my eighth grade musical. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you showed up and that, and that's what, Oh, I so badly want senior pastors to know people that the, the, the pastoring that you do is not usually from the pulpit. Yeah. And, and, and I wonder, and, well, I, I wonder if um, we, I, I won't do we things. I wonder if I isolate myself, sequester myself in my office to learn more, do more, polish, present, prepare, as a way again to inflate um, an emptiness when what I really should do is deadbolt the office door. <laughs> I used to tell youth workers this when I did youth worker training, the greatest thing I could do is to come to your church and padlock the youth room door mm. and say, you still have the same amount of hours a week. Yeah but you're not allowed to meet in a big gathering. Mm -hmm. Now, what are you going to do with your 40 hours? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. spending time. I tell my staff at church that it's grounds for firing. If you spend more than 25% of your paid hours in a, in an office. Yeah. Cause that's what we're really looking for. Authenticity yeah. breeds, you know, in relationship is what cultivates transformation. And so yes. I've seen that in you. Hmm. Um, in this conversation, just in phone conversations in the brief time we've had, I've seen you do it with others as I've observed you a couple times, hmm. just in the last couple of months being all in. So I appreciate the example and I hmm. don't say that patronizingly, you know, um, I, I need to learn that better. I got to quit. I got to quit preaching what I practice and start practicing <laughs> or excuse me, the other way around is they're practicing what I preach. I need to start. <laughs> I need to start um, <laughs> preaching what I practice. Preaching what you practice. Isn't that good? It's so Isn't good. That I'm, good? I'm, oh, I just, I'll be right. Just it down. think, I, that's original with me, right? <laughs> I, I'm going to quote you. You're the one I heard it from. Yeah, I'm you know quote what? You. <laughs> quote it. Hey, I, this Eldrick guy is so smart. Listen to this new quip he come up with. I hope I just don't accidentally quoted by Tim Keller, because that would be a bummer because he gets enough quotes. <laughs> or Tim Keller, <laughs> Tim Elmore, you know. <laughs> I've been yeah. asked to sign, you know, books by guys like that. I'm oh, like, boy. you know, I'm like, I'm not, hey, thank you for your habitudes books. I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. I wish I had the royalties for them. <laughs> yeah, I wish I would have written all 12 of those, you know. But no, I, I, Someone put that on Facebook just maybe a month ago or so. They wow. disagreed with something I said vehemently, and I replied. I don't usually try to reply, but I replied yeah. with a little smart Alec response. They said, well, we'll just have to agree to disagree, but 
I'll never forget using your Habitudes books for our leadership event for our kids. <laughs> and I just let it go. Just let it go. If you want to think you're talking to Dr. Tim Elmore, knock yourself out. Because I'm authentic and I'm yes. going to lie about it. So just so that you don't feel bad. Well, hmm. hey, you and your halo have been welcome on the Authentic Pastor Podcast. Thank Thanks. You. Thanks for having me. And thanks for doing what you're doing. Wouldn't it be awesome if the next two decades in specific were filled with pastors who were willing and congregations that received authentic pastors? I love it. Well, you know, it's a team effort. So mm -hmm. thanks for adding to it. Mm -hmm. Hey, two days from now is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I like to say I have I have produced a lot of children and don't have the birth you marks have. to growth marks to show it. No, nope. <laughs> nope, you have, you, they're, they're not yours, but you've got thousands of them. <laughs> yeah. You've got cool. thousands of them. So it's that cool. you, you have touched and only mm. mothers could touch their, you know, biological children the way mm. you have. Nice. So thanks. Awesome. We'll, um, we'll be in touch. Thanks Kay. Heather. Thanks friend.